This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Welcome to SIP. Survive. And repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. Uh, Danelle. Yes. Danelle, don't forget to speak up. Oh, Kenny, yes. Have we fixed that? How do I do that? I don't know. She oh, sounded boy. better in the second half of the episode last time. The last episode, if you guys noticed, and I was a little quieter, but I don't know. Maybe I mean, move the mic. Could be my ear. Well, could be my ear pods, buds, whatever they're called. I'm just going to talk louder. I'm just a quiet talker. Okay. 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 Talk okay. Should help. It, the problem yeah. is I don't have levels on Skype, so I have no idea what it's coming through as. Yeah. Right. Well, people, bear with us, okay? It's a pandemic. <laughs> We're doing the best we can. No, I'll try to. I'll try to talk louder. Okay, good. Do I'm it. also in our bedroom, and the ceilings are a bit high, so maybe it's echoey too. So I will just try to, you know, project my voice a little more. Great, do that. Great. I feel um, like I'm, I'm already a loud talker. So, and I'm also wearing yeah. these, sweet, these sweet beats by Dre. Yeah, you're hip and cool. Sorry, just yawned. Um, oh if my you're god. Just if you're just joining us, I must said if you're just tuning us, if you're just you're joining just tuning, us. If you're just tuning in for the first time. <laughs> this is a podcast about survival stories, guys. Yes. It's and we great. like to drink we like to drink while we talk about them. Jenny, what are you drinking? Um, I actually got a bottle of wine from I like classed it up this week. So I got slow press. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. And it is, it's oak barrel aged and it's a 2017. Okay. And it has a really pretty rose gold label, which is what drew me to it. Of course. I'm such a label purchaser. I know it's so bad, but it's fine. Uh, It says um, slow press, rich, smooth, dark. And I'm like, (laughs) and it says never rush a great wine, intense, concentrated flavor. And it's 13.5 alcohol by volume. And it says, the slower the press, the better the wine. And I say, I I, I feel like this is a very sexual bottle of wine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe I'm just kind of thirsty and not just for wine. Um, (laughs) Anywho. Uh, uh, Anyway, tell us how you feel about it. It's it's really good. It's a little bit maybe maybe too rich for my liking. I think I like it a little bit more fruity. I don't uh-huh. like sweet wine. Just don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's like yeah. very. It's a heavy wine, and it's been getting nicer out. So I don't know. It's hard. I, it's hard to drink a heavy wine in this heat. Yeah. AKA yeah. seventy degrees. <laughs> <laughs> in this intense Ohio heat. Although next week it's supposed to get to the 80s, so let's just oh. relax. Um, Take it easy, people. So yes, I have a bottle of wine. I also have my bo- my Boda box down here in case I want to switch in the middle. I wonder if you mixed them. That would be yeah. gross. Yeah, I don't think that would be good. I the Boda no. box, the Revolution is so good. So mm. anyway. Um, Kenny, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a beer called Orange Martian from Platform. Oh. It, it's that a slushy good. style sour with tangerine, banana, and vanilla. What's How a slushy? What? 
slushy style sour. So it's like a, uh, it's more like a fruited sour. Like it's uh-huh. a thicker kind of sour, if that makes sense. It doesn't at all, but it I doesn't. appreciate it. Yeah. It's Is really it like sours. All the yeah. platforms, they have a, ho- a bunch of Martian ones. They have like blue, pink, and red. They're all very oh. good. Oh, Okay. Well, I'm keeping it real classy and yeah. drinking a Corona light. <laughs> yeah, girl. Get that Corona. It's summer. It's Do you have the lime? Do you have a I lime? don't have the lime. No, Ooh. I don't have a lime. Oh, I have a lemon. I'm not using oh. a lemon, but I only have lemons over right now. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That's all right. So, so yeah, that's my jam right now. Sweet. I love it. I texted these yahoos not that long ago and was like, it's like 310. Do you think I can start drinking? <laughs> they said I, yes. Yeah. They encouraged it. you can. <laughs> Do what you want. I'm in a pandemic. Do what you want <laughs> with your mouth. Well, I am. I can't drink too much because Donald, my husband, ran out to uh, help a couple people fix things during the pandemic, like house mm-hmm. projects. And... Um, so I'm here with Declan. He's currently with the babysitter, but she leaves at six. So, uh. <laughs> well, I think I feel like a she functioning gets on the road, so you yes. can enjoy some some time alone. Yes, 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 yes. Um, um, uh, with that babysitter. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Um, so I don't know what your story's about. Is it like terribly gruesome? Um, it- no, it's. It's not great, but it's not gruesome. Um, it's just about something that happened. It's it's okay. It's mm-hmm. it's normal. Is yours gruesome? No, but it's not great. <laughs> as far as well, outcome is concerned. No. I mean, they survive. One person Obviously. survives. Two people survive in mine, but Kenny, who great. should go first? You just pick. Uh, let's go Jenny. Oh, okay. shit. Okay. Ah, ah! Okay. So again, I literally think I've read through the story once. Um, I watched a this is from a BuzzFeed uh, video, which I know you're like BuzzFeed. They have some true crime interviews that they do now, or like mm-hmm. survivor interviews. Annie, who's it? Um, this is the story of Savannah Herms. And she was kidnapped by an end-of-the-world survivalist. Oh, damn. Oh, damn, Gina. Okay, I'm taking a sip of wine. Hold on. Okay. I gotta get, I gotta get prepared for this. I've been watching... There was a really good Dateline recently about the um, the LDS cult. Mm. The Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But, like, not the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints people, but, the, you know, like, the subcult of that. Right, um, like the subreddit and the su- yeah, exactly, exactly. That. <laughs> um, I made Todd watch like two hours of it this this past uh, weekend. It was great, and then he fell in love with you all over again. Yeah, he was like, "I'm Aww. so glad we're not in a cult." Um, <laughs> anyway, there was a good, there was a, a couple good datelines on it. Go ahead, sorry. Okay, so this is okay. So Savannah is in college, I believe. And she decided that she was going to study abroad in London with 30 other students. So she said at this point in her life, 
you know how you are when you're in college. You like you're looking for big life changes. You want to say yes to opportunity. You yes. want to you want to meet new people. You want to get in there. You Spend know your wings. Yeah, you're just full of optimism. I think is the word I'm looking for. You know how it is. Okay. Yeah. And then um, it slowly dies. Okay, go ahead. And it slowly dies <laughs> as you become a terrible human. Okay, so she said she is used to telling this story with a lot of humor because it's at first she didn't really realize what had happened to her. Um, but she said now it's like watching your little sister make terrible life decisions. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> okay, so... This is uh, this is her story. She was um, living in a flat with a few roommates. Uh, if you aren't from the UK, a flat is an apartment. Get it together. Uh, she had a classmate who was always online or on apps looking for someone to date or be her sugar daddy. So this is oh. not this is not Savannah. This is one of her classmates and flatmates. Okay. And I'm like, what? What? Okay, sure. We'll Her support that. Sugar daddy? So anyway, so this happened in 2014. So there were some apps out there. Like, for instance, um, the roommate found a guy on Tinder, and he invited her to go to a Brazilian carnival-themed rave. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a dork. I never went to a rave in all my life. Have you guys I been haven't raves? either. Okay. No. Penny? I no. Okay. So I don't even know what the draw is here. I like the carnival theme because I've been to carnival and it's super fun. Although somebody did spray uh, shaving cream in my hair and I got real mad about that. But anyway. Um, Wait, say that again? A guy, there were these kids running down the street in, I think we were in Venice, and they sprayed me with uh, shaving cream. Oh, I thought you yep, said not. they shaved your head. No, like, oh my what? god, no! I had like at that <laughs> Why point. Why are you being life, so casual about this? <laughs> no, I had I had long, luxurious, very curly hair when I was in college, and they got all this shaving cream in it. And then we were staying at this like gross hostel, so I was pissed. I had to take a shower in the sick ass hostel, but whatever, it's fine. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so this this guy on Tinder it invites them to a rave, which I'm like. Red flag, red flag. Don't do either of those things. Um, so the classmate says that she would like to go, but she has to bring her cousin because her cousin and her go everywhere together. The cousin is, of course, Savannah, and they're not really cousins, but this was her. Cover. What it's a, a cover, yeah. It's the safety measure she was putting in place. Yeah. So fine. I gl- I'm glad she's trying to be safe. Whatevs. So um, Savannah goes on Tinder and starts, you know, snooping around because that's what you do if you're a good friend. You got to make sure this person doesn't seem like a total doucherie. Serial killer. Yeah. So um, she said she didn't like his pictures and he seemed like he was one of those people that was like a cat that liked to chase a mouse. And I'm like, I don't know what that means from a picture. Yeah. What does that mean? She was kind of deep. She had like kind of a goth look about her, but it's fine. Whatever. So she basically, the gist of it is she didn't like the way he looked. She thought he looked a little shady. Um. So what does any 20-something-year-old girl in college do when she doesn't feel comfortable with something that's about to happen? She gets out her tarot cards. Oh. <laughs> yes. I was yes. like, huh? You know, the only time I had tarot cards in life growing up is when I, um, I had just seen The Craft, 
Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. That the girls were amazing. like witches. Yes. Yeah. I bought witchcraft books and I also bought tarot cards. And I'm probably, I'm sure my parents were like, what's happening right now? <laughs> but anyway. I loved a good tarot card and a Ouija board. Yes. So she busts out the tarot cards and she keeps, every time she does them, I don't know what you do to get to like read about this guy. He's the reverse emperor card which basically in tarot world means that he's like a dictator or a commander, like very, oh. very like stern. Reverse emperor card. Okay. I was like, okay, you know more about it than I do. I'd always be like, look, it's the evil witch card or it's the, I mean, I just like made up my own thing. Anyway. Or like the death card, which is, right. another, which, which doesn't represent death. It just mm-hmm. represents something in your life. Like a part of like, whatever, go ahead. I don't really know. Making this up. <laughs> I like it. You said it with confidence. I liked it. Uh, okay. So they get to the building where this rave is going to supposedly happen. And it's a three-story brick building with all the windows blacked out. Nope. I'm like, um, that's when you walk away. Yeah. But she said there was a really long line of people waiting to get in. So that made her feel better. But she said nobody was dressed like carnival themed, which is like colorful and fun um, everybody was dressed in BDSM stuff. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the guy from Tinder walks up to them, taps the classmate on the shoulder, and doesn't say anything and just starts making out with her. Excuse me? No. <laughs> I expect a hello first. I expect a lot more than hello. I yeah. expect to be like... You better buy me a drink first, buddy. Um, And this is what he was wearing, which I really enjoyed. He was wearing mini Speedo boxer shorts. And he was wearing, like, you know those military um, belts that you wear across your chest that have, like, bullets on them? Mm -hmm. He had one going one way and one going the other, so it made a cross, uh, like an X across his chest with, like, the bullet uh, belts. Okay. Okay. And, And, like, and like booty shorts. Hard pass, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the front of the line. I'm like, God, you're still there? Get out. Um, yeah. She said, again, she said, looking back at it now, it's like watching your little sister make terrible life decisions. So, okay, sure. Um, so to get inside, when they get up there, they find out it's 150 pounds to get in. How much is that, do you think? 200 bucks a person. And in college, that's like mm-hmm. after college, in college, like that's a fortune. That's that's a lot of money now. Fortune. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay that now to get into a fucking club. Uh, no way, I wouldn't even pay that to go see a concert. No, maybe Lady Gaga, but maybe I was gonna say maybe Lady Gaga, but that's okay. it. Um, so the guy, booty short guy from Tinder, pays for all of them to get in. Mm, okay. So, again, I'm like, this guy, I don't like him. Uh, they walk no. in, there's a, big, there's a big room, and there are silk aerialists, drag queens. I don't think that's the right term for them. Um, all sorts of things. And then uh, Savannah notices there's also all these bedrooms, or, like, smaller rooms, and there's bouncers outside of each of the doors. Which I was like, oh. that sounds creepy. That sounds, okay. yeah, sketch. Okay, as soon as they walk in, an older woman, and when I say older, I mean she was probably like 36, so like younger than us. 
but to these college kids yeah older that's old yeah Yeah. like when you're in college that's old yeah so she walks up and starts making out with tinder guy so i guess people just don't say hi they just start making out with each other it Mm, turns out this tinder guy had not only invited uh savannah's roommate or flatmate she had, he had invited a bunch of women to all come to the same party so that they could have an orgy together. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so they walk into one of those smaller rooms, and it's for sure an all-out orgy. People oh, are having sex everywhere. Gross. Unless you're into that, fine. But I, mean... I'm just, I guess I'm. what grosses me out the most is not that there's multiple people. It's that it's in this building, and like you're on surfaces that you don't know like what's happened there before <laughs> yeah yeah and i don't want my naked ass it's on just so many body parts on so many yeah no i i mean again if you're into it that's fine and i know that age that college age is like exploration and all that stuff but mm-hmm. um, i mean okay okay so this is when the tinder guy tries to get savannah and her roommate her classmate to make out for his pleasure. And this guy co- is just like off the charts. Like, yeah. He's and so he's selfish. not even, he's not even the bad guy. So oh, okay. get ready. So the classmate is like, yeah, let's do that. Cause she wanted to like, please this guy. And I'm like, ew, why? But again, these are young women who maybe don't have the confidence to be like, fuck off. Right. So whatevs. Um, so Savannah feels like she's really stuck. She doesn't want to make out with her roommate, her classmate. Um, the classmate then starts having sex with the Tinder guy. And then her roommate keeps turning around and crying and then turning back around and still having sex. And she just kept like doing that back and forth. Like it was real weird. And Savannah is like, do you want to go? And she's like, no, I'm having fun. But she's like crying too. What? So it's okay. real, it's real weird. Anyway, Savannah decides to leave the room, and I'm like, oh, by yourself? In the, in the orgy building? I don't, okay. Um, so she finds a small room next door, and she goes inside, and there's a guy, and he asks her if she wants some molly. Which, is that marijuana, or is that something more? Something more. Okay, great. That's like ecstasy, I think. Okay. I believe oh, you're right. right. Yeah. Again. My I don't know. Um, So anyway, so then she starts to feel like she takes a hit or swallows a pill or does whatever you do with Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Molly is ecstasy. Great. Oh, it is. She she takes, she takes some ecstasy. She starts to feel the drugs hitting. The classmate um, finds her like suddenly just pops up from the orgy and is like, we have to leave. Um, And um, Savannah at this point, is getting real messed up from the Molly. So she's like, I can't right now. So um, the classmate just leaves alone. And now Savannah is alone at the orgy house. Oh, no. Okay. Ah! Um, Then a different guy walks into the room. And he starts talking to Savannah. And they start making out. And then before she knows it, it is now 7 or 8 a.m. the next day. Oh, God. Okay. And she needs to get back to school because very soon her whole class of 30 kids is going to Stonehenge. They are taking a bus, the two-hour trek, to go see Stonehenge. I'm like, you oh, don't wanna, shit, you don't, you don't want to miss that. 
Well, and she says, I'm covered in like fluorescent paint and glitter. <laughs> like it was a rave. So I guess there was like right. all that shit going on. And so she's like, I got to get back and like get showered and stuff. So anyway, the guy uh, who she was making out with uh, said he would take care of her and not to worry. And mm. so he and some friends put her in a car and she has to sit on his lap in the car. And uh, they do take her back to her, her flat where she can't get in because the door is locked and everyone's still sleeping or getting ready. So she climbs up some scaffolding to get in. Um, she shockingly rinses off all the glitter, goes to Stonehenge. And while she's there, that guy she made out with posts on Facebook, I can't wait to take you out tonight. I love you. Red flag number 1,563. Yeah. Hey, I just feel like if you meet someone at an orgy rave party, you probably shouldn't date them. But hey, yeah. I mean, weirder shit's happened. Um, so she was a bit alarmed, but she agreed to go out with him because, of course, she was like, well, he wants to take me out. He's interested. I'm oh, like, oh, honey, honey, no. No, 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 no. No. And so that night he picks her up in a car, which she thought was really cool because most people in London um, don't have cars, use the, like, tube or, like, you know, public transportation, et cetera. Yeah. He yeah. picks her up. Uh, she mentions this, and I was like, gross. I'd be like, goodbye. He was playing te- <laughs> techno music in his oh, car. God. I'd be like, mm, This sounds mm-hmm. so awful. <laughs> yeah. And he, this is what he says to her. Tonight's going to be magical. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, they go to a restaurant that is closed down. Um, and that's where his friends are because they apparently either own the place or work there. So they're, like, partying in this closed-down restaurant. Um, she gets offered pills and she takes them. Again, oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advise against that. If you, if don't do that. Know, you don't know that person that well, you don't know what's in that. Yeah, don't do it, honey. Then she goes to this guy's flat. So he starts showing her around and she said it was kind of like a, um, what's that called? A studio apartment, but like the bathroom had its own separate room. So whatever. Um, he opens a closet in this uh, flat and he starts pulling out gas masks, mm-hmm. guns, and food that will last for years and years, like canned food and stuff. Then he starts to explain to her all of his conspiracy theories about 9-11, vaccines, and what's actually in them. And then he puts in a VHS tape, which I was like, in 2014? The fuck? Um, <laughs> and she said it was, it was non-coherent. Like, it looked like he took clips from all different kinds of, like, conspiracy theory movies and, like, spliced them together, like, oh, homemade gosh. style. It didn't make any sense. Again, she'd okay. also take a pill, though, so let's, like, keep that in mind. Okay, right. Um, she had not, at this point, because of her outing the night before at the orgy house, hadn't slept in about 48 hours, so she was getting real tired. Wow, this girl is, like, off the charts. Yeah, she's... Mm-hmm. She's living her life in, yeah, in college. She, she is. <laughs> so she passes out on his bed. When she wakes up, she hears heavy breathing above her and she kind of like opens her eyes a little bit to see what's going on. And he is masturbating above her. Oh, okay. Above her sleeping body. And she in her head is like, okay, I know I don't want to have sex with this guy, 
So I'm just going to pretend I'm still asleep till he finishes. Yes. I would have. Yes. So he finishes and she actually falls asleep again. I'm like, honey. Oh, come on. Um, I'm not trying to victim blame. No, but, but it's like so many red flags. But like she said, it, it when you look back at your younger self, sometimes it is like watching your little sister make yes. terrible um, mistakes. So she wakes up and he's making eggs mm-hmm. for them. And she realizes it's like six o'clock at night the next day. So she had gone mm. out with him the night before and she had just now woken up from whatever drug she took and her exhaustion. And it's like six o'clock at night the next day. Wow. Okay. Um, he then starts telling her thing. Like he starts saying things like when we have babies, they won't be vaccinated. And I'm going to take you to an Island where we're going to live um, so that we don't get like sucked into the conspiracies that are happening all around the world. Like he's like spouting all this stuff. She realizes at this point that her phone is missing. And she's like, fuck. So she says to him, I really need to connect to Wi-Fi. I have to talk to my flatmates and just let them know that I'm okay. They're going to be worried about me. And he was like, okay. So he lets her do that. But then she says, I'm going to take the phone outside and just make a quick call. And he said, no, you don't need to go outside. And then he like sternly says that like in a scary way. And then puts his hand out to get her phone back from her. And then she said, it was just one of those things where I just handed it over because I didn't know what else to do. Like his, yeah. she said, his aura seemed crazy. Well, and you're in that moment, like she just woke up, she's been on, you know, drugs and whatever in an unfamiliar place. And you just are going to follow the rules just to get, until she figures out what's going on. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a natural reaction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So okay. um, he decides he's going to take a shower and he's in there and he starts yelling to her to come get in the shower with him. And she knows that her phone is in the bathroom, like next to the shower. So she says, yeah, she's coming. So she walks into the bathroom. She quickly grabs her phone and then she slips out the front door, which just had one deadbolt on it. So it wasn't difficult, but she knew he could hear that big click. So she was like terrified. So she started, it's like this huge spiral staircase to get down. I'm like London, you guys spiral. What? Stop it. Let's do some regular stairs. Jesus. So she's like running down these stairs. She's about, uh, I don't know, two to three stories down when all of a sudden she hears a loud bang from up above. And it was his door opening really quickly. And then he starts screaming at her. So he's like two or three stories above where she is screaming down the spiral staircase about what is she doing? Where does she think she's going? She's almost at the first floor, and he is now chasing her down the stairs in a bath towel. Oh, my God. This guy is nuts. hmm So she finally, um, she keeps running. She makes it all the way to the tube station. She gets back to her flat. And this is what she does. She blocks his phone number on her cell phone. She then goes on Facebook and sends him a message where she politely says, I think we'd be better as just friends. And I'm like, mm Mm-mm. you're no. so nice <laughs> like that guy was trying to like abduct you and take you to an island and have babies yeah. with, with no vaccines like and when you're that age you're just so naive and you're just so like you just so, I, I mean I remember being, being that young and just thinking like that would never happen to me and it's just yeah. not the case yeah so he he of course like 
responded back real snarky and then he blocked her on Facebook. And I'm like, ugh, of course. So Good she riddance. said she said the moral of the story was self-esteem and boundaries are really important. Yeah. Like you can't just be blown by the wind of whatever the world is bringing you. Like you have to actually put some thought into what's going on. And she said this three-day story of like the orgy house and the Tinder guy and the, you know, the Molly and the going to this guy's flat when she shouldn't have been there. And like him being really possessive of her within like 24 hours, she said, it's something that she often told with a sense of humor. Like she would kind of laugh about it to her friends that she almost got kidnapped and she almost, you know, got abducted and taken away to like an Island um, by this crazy conspiracy guy. Um, But looking back at it now, she realizes that it could have been way more serious and that she could honestly be missing or dead. So she said when she was younger, she felt like she always owed people something like to be polite, to be nice, to, you know, make out with them because they wanted to make out with me or whatever it is. Um, And she said she wanted to connect at any cost. And she said her Mm. personal safety and her physical body could be abused for the connection. And she said, you need to know your moral boundaries. Um, And I think, again, some of that just comes with age. Um, when you're young and sometimes I feel like you just, I mean, I was the same way. I, I yeah. was known as a makeout bandit because like if, if anyone in college wanted to make out with me, as long as they weren't like an awful person, I you pretty much would make, and usually I was too drunk to really know if they were an, an awful person. So yeah, I just would make out. Like, I'm talking and making out though, you people, really not just sex. wanted to be, yeah, but you were doing that because me. you wanted to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we're raised, like, especially as women, like that's how you're raised is you want to fit in. You want people to like you and yeah. it can leak into your adult life too. Like, I, I mean, we all want to be liked and accepted, but mm-hmm. you just have to set boundaries. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. So wow. although this abduction is not maybe as what we like to say is serious as some of the other ones we've covered, it still sheds light on the fact that like even something as small as, you know, being trapped with a guy for like three days in a very awkward setting is still serious and could have turned really bad. So make sure you guys are thinking about, you know, that how much you're worth, which is a lot, just in case you're wondering, you're all worth a lot. And you have to have those boundaries. Like you don't have to make, you can be a bitch. You don't right. have to be nice to everyone, especially if they're being psycho. You can I be think it's real mean. It's such a good message that the My Favorite Murder Girls put out too, where it's like, mm-hmm. fuck politeness. Because yes. again, as girls, young girls, you're taught and throughout your life, it's to be polite and smile. And it's like, fuck you. I don't have to be polite and smile. I still think that way because that's how I was raised too. So it's always been a challenge for me mm-hmm. to not be to not be nice or if someone is rude or they've got bad intentions, like I'm always going to be the nice polite one. But as you get older, you learn that like, you don't owe anybody anything. They can go fuck themselves. That's right. That's right. Fuck politeness. And thank you uh, for um, keeping that a top of mind, I guess, with the, my favorite murder gals. Cause they're, yeah, that's one of their big things. And I appreciate it. So I do anyway, too. Cause you didn't, it's story. not something you think about or learn. I love mm. that. It's a great message and a great story. Yeah. Okay. Good that's job. it. That's fine. <laughs> Thanks. Well, um, mine is actually really, it's funny because as I was reading mine, something similar is going on right now in, uh, I think it's Michigan, but, okay. um, I'll get into the story and then I think both of you will be like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's very similar to what's happening in a town in Michigan right now. So uh, this is the survival story of Carrie Albright. And this takes place in 1972. 
and oh man Carrie, yeah back early 70s you know Vietnam had just ended like things were a little crazy not that that has to do with the story really but um so Carrie was just a baby and he was being raised um in a in a coal mining town in West Virginia so it's a very small town very poor um you know a lot of lower income poverty stricken uh small town in West Virginia and um it had been raining and snowing in the town was called Laredo but it's also called Buffalo Creek Valley. So I'm going to refer to it as Buffalo Creek Valley because I, I was starting to get confused as I was reading the article. So um, so it's a valley. It's 17 miles long. It's a basin and it's nestled between um, the foothills in West Virginia of the Appalachia Mountains. Am I saying that right, Jenny? Isn't it called? Don't you say it a different way? Appalachia, Appalachia Mountains. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you so want to throw an Appalachia. Appalachia Mountain. So it's a a very small town in a valley, so to speak. Um, So his, he lived with uh, his 39-year-old mom, Sylvia, her husband, Robert, and they had a son, Stephen, who was 17. Stephen! um, When, Stephen! When Carrie was, when (laughs) Carrie was only uh, nine months old, Stephen was 17. So oh, wow. he was, he was born a little later in life. So mm. Sylvia, the mom, she was a cook at the elementary school, which holds dear to my heart because my grandma was uh, a cook at our uh, high school growing up Aww. whenever I went to school. Um, and her husband was a minor cause it was a, it was a mining town. And oh my God, I thought you meant he was a minor. Like he was underage. I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a coal miner. I should say. <laughs> he was Steven's age. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so Sylvia, she was 39. Her husband, I'm assuming, was around her age. He was a coal miner. And they had both recently lost their 21-year-old son. And his name was Terry. So Terry had just returned from Vietnam. And uh, he was killed by a fellow fellow soldier um, after after they returned from Vietnam. So so now they just had Stephen, who was 17, and Sylvia, obviously, as a mother, was having a really hard time losing her son. So she was hospitalized for depression and doing, you know, the couple was basically doing the best they could to recover and focus, you know, on Stephen, the 17-year-old, 17-year-old bringing him up. Well, a few months after Terry died, the son, a relative called Sylvia and Robert, the husband, and she said that she just found out she was pregnant and she wouldn't be able to raise the baby. And the baby was Carrie. And, um, Sylvia and Robert said, yes, we'll take the baby. It's just exactly what we need in our lives, something else to focus on. So they raised, you know, they adopted Carrie and started to bring him up as, as their own son. So when the story takes place, Carrie was about nine months old. Um, so now I'm going to kind of bob back and forth. So a little bit about the coal mining town. So you kind of got to understand the town to understand what happens. So it's surrounded by three dams, which at this point were eight years old. They were built eight years prior. So they've been up for about eight years. Damn. Um, they fun- Damn, girl. They functioned, <laughs> they functioned to contain and filter water used to wash mine coal. Mm-hmm. So all three dams were made of slate, rock particles, and leftover coal. And um, they were all built on the hills overlooking Buffalo Creek where Sylvia and the family lived. Okay. Great. 
The top dam, so the first, the highest level dam, held back 31, a 31 foot deep lake, which equals about 100, 132 million gallon, gallons of water. They called it slurry because it's, it's the water's used to like clean the coal. So it was like this big sludge of whatever. So that's enough to fill 200 Olympic swimming pools. That's a lot of freaking water. Uh, so by February, which is when this takes place, all three dams had filled to near overflow levels because they had such a heavy rain and snow season wow. that folks in the town were getting a little bit nervous. Um, but the inspector came in and he declared that the dams were the federal mine inspector came in and did his normal like dam inspection. He's like, everything's fine. Everybody calm down. Um, did he say, hey, I did my dam inspection. He's like, damn it. Leave me alone. Your dam's <laughs> fine. Um, so between Thursday and Friday afternoon, late in February, the levels of water behind the dam had risen 18 inches. Oh, and that's a lot. Yeah, so they just kept getting, like, all this constant rain. And by Friday night, the water was rising an inch an hour. So even though the inspector was there several days earlier, they had had an influx of rain, and it was just kind of getting a little out of control. So the coal company that owned the mine hadn't ordered the evacuation of the valley town, but the the town that was upstream from the the dam, they had uh, about 18 homes evacuated. Which doesn't make sense to me. Why would you empty the town out upstream, but the the people that live in the valley, you're going to let them just hang out. Okay. You're going to let them so, drown in the dam. Right. So okay. um, early the next morning, so now we're Saturday morning, a crack 10 feet wide and 30 feet crack. long. No, nope, That not is a not crack. a crack. 10 feet <laughs> wide you know what that and is? 30 feet long. That's it's a crevasse. Huge. That's a That's fucking a crevasse. crevasse. <laughs> if you can fall in it, it's a crevasse. It had formed along, the crevasse had formed along the top part of the dam. Mm. And some described the front retaining wall bulging like soaked cardboard. So you could just see it like sticking out. It's scary. Yeah. So Sylvia and the family, what, you know, they woke up Saturday morning. Um, they went about their morning as they always do. Uh, they slept in a little bit. Um, she had planned to go to Steven, the 17 year old's uh, concert, but it got rained out. There was so much rain that they ended up canceling it. So they stayed in Saturday morning. She made coffee and breakfast. She played with Carrie, the baby and Robert, the husband was working a night shift. So he got, would get home around 8, 15 AM. So he was due, they woke up around 8 AM and he was due home around 8, 15. Well, they like made coffee and breakfast and stuff around eight. Um, so but you said they slept in. Well, that slept in with a baby. I feel like, like for me, sleeping in is like Todd and I are going to sleep until like 10 ish. Right. But I feel like if you've got kids and you're sleeping in until like eight, that's sleeping in. Right. I don't know. It is, I guess, but Okay. Sorry. I mean, I just, not I, that's not at all a point of the story. So I don't know why I had to bring it up, but it, I was just like, hey, well, it's not a point of the story at all. So it shouldn't even be in there, but whatever. <laughs> My copy and pasting Digest. from Reader's Digest. Of course, yeah. they're the best stories. <laughs> so um, a few minutes past 8 a.m., the lights flickered in the house mm. and the power went out. And it happens every now and then just cat because the rain and everything and Sylvia and Stephen heard cars honking their horns and people shouting out in the streets so Stephen the the son ran outside to investigate 
and looked up and saw a 20-foot black mountain of water and debris no. coming towards the house. No. It, he said it rolled it rolled like ocean waves and on the crest of it you could see homes that had been torn off their foundations and they were being thrown around like toy boats. This so, is like a tsunami. Yeah. They picture a giant wall, like a huge wall tsunami. No. And people were still <laughs> inside some of the homes that you could see on top of the wave. And oh, you could see them grabbing at the windows and their faces just in terror. It just sounds just like every awful nightmare. Yes. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> in, the, in the roaring of the water, you could hear the buildings popping and snapping as they broke up. Um, so... Earlier that morning, before the the dam actually broke, officials ordered workers to repair that 10-foot wide crack in the morning. Mm -hmm. But when they got there, it was too late, and the dam's right side had begun to crumble. Like They they described it crumbling like a sandcastle, Mm -hmm. water pouring through, ripping a hole wider and wider. And it only took minutes for the first dam to collapse. And after the first dam collapsed, it was just a domino effect. The other two went as well. And there were also a series of explosions. The water hit pockets of burning coal. Uh, It was just total catastrophe. 132 million gallons of black water and some waves of over 30 feet tall were generated. Holy crap. Buildings, I know, buildings, homes, cars, telephone, everything, you name it. Um, was basically ruined in this giant wave of water. And it only took a few minutes and the entire town was leveled. So Stephen goes outside, hears all these cars honking and stuff, goes outside, sees this black wave of water, runs back inside and yells, the dam broke. Uh, Sylvia immediately grabbed the baby, Carrie, who the story's about. Mm. And um, he took his mom, Stephen took his mom's arm and they went out the back door of the house about 50 yards away, they had a um, kind of a wooded, dense hill behind their house that they were trying to get up. And Sylvia held tightly to uh, Carrie Lee, the baby, and Stephen led the way, holding her arm through the water. And um, as they kept walking up the hill, black liquid just sucked them down. And by the time they made it to the top of the hill, their waist were, or the water was waist high with black, like a black slush. Um, there were oh, like, there like were a few Penny's neighbors. beer. Yes, but black, <laughs> not orange, not orange flavored. Um, okay. There were a few neighbors at the top of the hill, and they were trying to reach out and grab Sylvia and Stephen's hands. And Sylvia then realized in that moment that she wasn't going to make it, and oh, so she started swinging the baby. Like <gasps> tr- she was going to try to throw the baby, baby Carrie up to the neighbors on top of the hills in hopes that they would catch the baby. Well, she throws baby Carrie. They don't catch him, and baby Carrie goes just downstream, instantly no! swept downstream. Oh my God. <laughs> and I know it's not funny, but no, he's but just you, you whisked away. Oh, baby, what are you doing? Well, she Ugh. threw a baby. And right after she threw the baby, uh, Sylvia and Steven were also swept away. So they were just gone. Um, so at this point, Robert, the dad, is not home yet. He's on his way home from work, and he spent the whole night fixing a broken coal load or whatever the frig that is. Um, and it wasn't until his drive home when he saw the water spread across the valley, and he was like, oh, damn. And he knew he knew <laughs> like, what oh, happened. <laughs> he, 
the All most right. part, he drove his gremlin. He had a gremlin car, if you guys remember those. Um, the, the little tiny cars that were in. Um, what's the? Yeah, Wayne's but what, World. what movie were that? Wayne's, Wayne's World, thank you. So he drove his gremlin as far as he could until the water blocked the roadway. And then he left his car and he just started walking um, until he got to his house around 9 a.m. He said that it looked like a bomb had gone off. And one neighbor uh, told him that his family didn't make it. So his neighbor was, I know. So um, his neighbor was like, they didn't get out. Um, So amidst. So while this is going on and Robert's back at the house, like trying to find his wits and like figure out what to do, realizing that his family is gone. Um, elsewhere among the chaos, this gentleman by the name of Ernest, he's a, he's the town preacher. Him and his son, Frank, were searching for Frank's wife and little girl. And as they crossed this part of the water, about a half mile from Sylvia's house, Frank heard the son heard a high pitched, like, sound coming from a pile of debris below and he said dad I hear baby crying I don't know this is why I just I feel like there's an accident here dad I hear baby (laughs) crying and the dad said it's probably just a dog or a cat and I'm like well okay does that matter like if it's still an animal you should rescue it but again not victim shaming okay um still uh frank did not care he he looked down through the rubbish and saw a tiny leg poking from the mud and he thought it was a doll like a baby doll at first um but he just felt the need to dig because you know there was noise he thought he heard coming from it and as they dug they pulled out a naked baby and it was baby carrie oh my god um the top of one thigh was cut to the bone. The boys, the baby boy's head was all bloody and his mouth was packed with. Wait, what is that noise? Sorry, that's a motorcycle driving by my house. Oh, Jesus. That's why I try to keep my mic on mute most of the time because I'm really close to the road. Yeah. Um, so his mouth was packed with mud and sludge, and he had been oh. buried face down for possibly 20 to 30 minutes. Jesus, what? Yeah. But when the, the preacher and his son cleaned the sticky black stuff from his mouth um, with a pocket handkerchief, he gasped for breath. So the baby was alive. Um, the, men, the men wrapped the boy in a coat, then carried him to a nearby house. Uh, where they found Sylvia, the mom, who is was is no longer who died in the flood. Um, her first cousin, Catherine. There's a lot of players here. Sorry. So Sylvia's first cousin, Catherine, lived in this house that they stumbled upon, and she was actually a nurse. So she washed out the baby's mouth, gave him fresh water, um, and you know did probably a little CPR. I can imagine where he like spit up a bunch of black stuff. And um, the only thing is Catherine was really nervous, the nurse, because he never made a sound the whole time. He didn't even cry. Mm. Um, Robert had got wind, the dad, that um, someone had found a baby in the water and that it was at his cousin's house. So he made his way to his cousin's house, who lived close to them anyway. And he's kind of in the area. So he gets there. He's swimming. I'm just making that up, but I'm, I'm sure right. it's a trek to get there. Uh-huh. And um, he sees that it's his baby and that Carrie is alive, astonishingly. Oh. Yes. And he kisses Carrie Lee on the cheek and picks him up 
and the nine month old started crying and spit up everything else that was inside of him. So his father knew that Carrie, baby Carrie was going to be okay. Um, It took Robert the rest of the day to get Carrie across the devastated Valley to the, to the main hospital, which was 11 miles away. Mm. And um, they said when they unfolded the blanket, it looked like a meat cleaver had taken, had been like, it looks like, it looked like his leg had been like hit with a meat cleaver. It was all like just raw and bony and ugh. Um, Ugh. I don't know why we keep telling stories where bones are coming out. It's disgusting. It's so gross. Um, Okay. (laughs) But I was so fascinated with the story because in a town in Michigan, I know. Their dam just collapsed. It sure did. Like, oh my God! They didn't. These people didn't learn their lesson. Did it like three dams collapse? Was yes. it a ton? Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot of dams collapsing. Well, in this story, three dams collapsed too. But I think oh, in Michigan, wow. it was multiple as well. Yeah. It's crazy. So, if you're listening from Michigan, let us know the scoop. Yeah, it's so sad. I mean, terrible. Um. So, da, 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 let's see. Oh, this is just kind of a, a night, uh, just a sweet side note. Robert, the dad, stayed at Carrie's side, not changing out of his filthy mining clothes for three days Aww. until someone brought him something to wear and clean water, and he knew his son was going to be okay. Um, on the fifth day after the flood, Robert had to go to the morgue, the dad, to set up to identify the bodies of Stephen and Sylvia. Um, who had been found 800 yards from their home. They were among 118 people ranging in ages from the, from three to, or sorry, excuse me, from three months to 82 years old who were killed um, in Buffalo Creek that day. The flood injured more than 1,100 people, destroying more than 500 homes. So sad. Um, and these fuckers from the um, coal company called it a disaster, called the disaster an act of God. Like, go screw yourselves. No. Excuse me? Right. Mm. So Robert, the dad, never returned to his job at the coal mines. He lived out his life on disability payments. And later, they did end up suing the coal coal mining company and also Mm. the company that built the dam and split the settlement among all the survivors. So it wasn't a ton of money that he got, but he still got something. Um, he devoted himself completely to care, to baby Carrie, learning to bathe him, mend his clothes, cook pots of beef stew, um, baby Carrie in an interview said, holding me and learning to rock me to sleep was a big thing for him. Um, and he did it after spending a few years in a trailer, Robert built a new home in the same town. And um, he filled the yard with go-karts, bows and arrows, motorcycles. And when Carrie Lee showed a talent for performing, because he's in, like, now he's all grown up and stuff. And he's in, like, theater and visual arts and Ah. a performer. But once the dad, Robert, realized that he wasn't into, like, all these, like, tractors and motorcycles, um, he said, you know, he got him into private dance lessons, voice lessons, And he always told his son, you can do whatever you want to do and you can be whatever you want to be. You'll just never work in a coal mine. Um, So he just always supported his son. He had his back. Um, Unfortunately, Robert, the dad, died of throat cancer at age 70 in the year 2000. Um, Though he never, though baby Carrie never knew his mother, he, he often thinks of her and the sacrifice that she you know, did for him. Basically by her throwing him saved his life because if he would have been pulled under with her, he probably would have died in her arms in, in the water, in the Russia water. So 
Um, he says that it must have been such an overwhelming moment when she knew that the only way to save me was to throw me. And he says that um, he never felt like he was without a mother. He said he had a lot of people who acted as a mother, as mother figures in his life. And he says that I felt like I had 20 mothers and um, he understands that he's a miracle baby, but insists his father's survival was just as extraordinary. Um, So he's living his best life now and he just loves to tell the story and talk about how amazing of a dad his father was in raising him. And um, I just thought it was a really great heartfelt story at the end. So that is the story of Rob of Carrie Albright. And Robert too. Robert was a survivor as well. So yeah. My God, that's amazing. Yay. (laughs) Kenny. Okay. Time for some weird news. Mm. Uh, A woman in China sends what to her ex-boyfriend to make him cry? Did she just send it once or is it an ongoing gift? Once. Mm. Mm. In China. Just out of curiosity, what would your guess been for an ongoing gift? I don't know. I just had to ask. (laughs) I just had to ask. Okay, so she sends him something to make him cry. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, Did she cut off her pink? Her pinky toe. Oh, wow. Aggressive. That's very <laughs> aggressive. My answer. Um, it's an ex-boyfriend, you said? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe she, I don't know, sent him tear gas to make him cry. I feel like if it's an ex-boyfriend. Or maybe she sent him a picture of her and her new boyfriend. Mid-coitus. She, she sent him... <laughs> 1,000 kilograms of onions. Oh, my God. I was going to guess onions. And I'm like, And 1,000 kilograms equals 2,200 pounds. Jesus. I feel like by the time he got them, they wouldn't have made him cry. I mean, you only cry if you cut them, too. Right, right. And uh, but the best part about this was the last line speaking to a local reporter. The man said that he had broken up with her because of, quote, her over the top behavior. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like i'm gonna solidify that for you and send you a shit ton of onions i'm gonna send you 200 pounds of onions yep. 2000. Oh, i'm sorry 2000 no it's onions i <laughs> love it <laughs> um well this has been sip survivor pete thank you guys for listening uh, make sure you're tuned in on Tuesdays for our regular episodes, and you can also tune in Thursdays for our Weird News shorts. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.